curiosity as a kind of undisciplined form of knowing gets sort of uh, policed in part by labeling it a kind of feminine thing. You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. This is a show all about curiosity. We talk about theory and research, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. So for today's conversation, I started by looking for someone to talk about the language we use to express curiosity. Wonder, awe, interest, passion, an essential of creativity, that which killed the cat. And I knew it had shifted over time, but I, but I was curious, I guess, to learn more. And that search eventually led me to Dr. Tanya Howe, an associate professor of literature and language at Marymount University. And when she responded to my inquiry, that we ide- the idea that we could consider exploring her path to research in the humanities and the connection for women between sexuality and curiosity and Milton and experimentation and experience and, and how she got curious about Mary Topp, the woman who gave birth to rabbits. <laughs> well, I thought... She's in. That sounds good. I love this show. So welcome, Tanya. (laughs) Welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure. And you have given me so many hooks. It's it's almost hard to know where to start. Sorry about that. No, no, I love that. I love that. But but I think actually you sent me a definition from the 17th century of curiosity as this frenzied desire to know more than one should. Yeah. Tell me more. Isn't that great, right? It is. So it comes from uh, an emblem book um, by an Italian uh, writer named um, Cesare Ripa and his Iconologia, right? I think that's how it's pronounced, his Iconologia. I'll I'll take your word for it. And... uh, it's from the 17th century, but it was republished, you know, throughout the period, and it was very, you know, in use uh-huh. for for a long time. Yeah, so he talks about desire as like a, f- a frenzy, right? This mm-hmm. sort of this sort of chaotic desire to know more, and it's interesting that he puts it in the language of desire, right? Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. And so these emblem books, they were very popular, you know, during the time period, and. Um, um, they come with images, right? Mm-hmm. Little emblems, sort of moral mm-hmm. emblems that are designed to sort of help you capture um, a visual sense of what of what this thing is. So maybe if, if people weren't literate, they certainly could read the images. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So the, the emblems are sort of accompanied by these little you know, explanations, right, uh-huh. of the emblems. And he talks about you know, why he's depicted her this way, you know. Uh, and he says, she has an abundance of ears and frogs on her robe. Her hair stands up on end, wings on her shoulders, her arms lifted up. She thrusts out her head in a prying posture. <laughs> so, so we have to go to the question about, like, how does it end up being a woman? Right. You know, when I think about curiosity, it does historically have this not very favorable connotation. I mean, now, you know, now it's like, it's the new hot thing in business and everything else. Oh, to be curious is a great Mm -hmm. thing. Not always so. It's so often depicted with women. Mm -hmm. And it's not good. Right. So, so where does that come from? Yeah, I think a lot of it comes from this worry about going too far. 
Mm -hmm. right? Going Tran beyond. Like transgression. Exactly, yeah. right? This sort of transgression going, at, which can be religious, right? It can be about social norms, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, going too far, knowing more than you should, wanting to know things that you really shouldn't want to know, right? right? right. Um, you know, the earth being round and not flat, or, you know, the earth not being the center of the universe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, maybe God not existing. Right. Or, People got themselves right. into a lot of trouble for it, being curious. Exactly, right? Yeah. And so it has to do with, I think, the sense of disorder. And, and I think that's where, that's where the gendering sort of comes from, right? The sense of disorder, the sense of uncontrollability. or These things are sort of chicken and eggy, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And um, they carry a lot of ideological weight. They do. Know? They do. So I think of the story of Eve, for instance, which is like the first, the first curiosity story. Right. That Our, we, first explorer, think, right? Our, Our first explorer, right, is a woman. Our first explorer is a woman. And she gets blamed for those exactly. explorations. Exactly. But it uh, all turns out in the end, right? I, I, well, <laughs> I guess it depends who you ask. But, but in, I don't know, in literature, in language, is there a place where one is sort of the parent of the other? I mean, do you think or have you seen? Yeah, well, one of the things that's interesting is that um, is that it, curiosity as a kind of undisciplined form of knowing, right, mm -hmm. gets, mm -hmm. gets sort of uh, policed, right, in part by labeling it a kind of feminine thing. Whereas if it's appropriate, right, seeking of knowledge, then, then it's, it's explore then or it's, science. Or, right, then it's yeah, science, right? It's lawful, yep. right? Yep. It's, it's uh, and, and, and like I said, I mean, I do think that there's there's clearly an ideological function. I mean, representation has a big role to play here. And the literature that we consume and the the sort of ideas that we imbibe, right, the, the pictures, right, mm -hmm. that we that mm -hmm. we believe in, right, mm -hmm. um, that goes a long way to, you know, telling us what we should do and what we should not do, right, right. how we should be and how we should not be, right? right, what those boundaries look like and are, you know. You know, one of the things about curiosity is that the, the dominant sort of meaning has to has to do with this sort of um, inquisitive quality, mm -hmm. and and it typically has, at least historically speaking, right, a kind of condemnatory sort of right. It's got an edge to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's sort of trying to to learn what somebody has no right to know. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so this sense of transgression, but what's interesting is that it is also associated with with desire, right? Mm -hmm. With an embodied kind of approach to knowledge, right? Um, I'm going to experience things that I shouldn't experience, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm going to um, I'm going to consume things that I shouldn't consume, or even the or even the language of exciting one's curiosity mm -hmm. has that same. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right. I hadn't thought about that before. That's yeah. really interesting. And gratifying one's curiosity, mm -hmm. satisfying one's curiosity, mm -hmm. right? There are all these sorts of embodied um, this this embodied language around mm -hmm. it, right? Mm -hmm. That that is very much sexualized, right? Right. right. Um, which which we see again and again and again in the literature too, and that that becomes a way to um, to police it, right? Because if it's about mm. if it's about sexuality, then we have clear understandings of what's appropriate and inappropriate in a given context. At least we think we do, right? <laughs> and how about kind of moving forward? I mean, is there a place where that starts to turn? I mean, when does that when does the curiosity no longer kill the cat? Mm. I don't know. Does it does it ever not kill the cat? I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know, it's so interesting because I grew up with my mother always saying, but satisfaction brought it back. Mm -hmm. So 
so somewhere that mm-hmm. concept, mm-hmm. you know, came yeah. forward. Well, you know, I'm I'm not sure if it's ever like an either or, right? I mean, I think that I think that implicit in that language of curiosity as something that's dangerous, right, mm-hmm. is is also that thrill, right? Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. Um, that pleasurability, right, which has to right. do with that sense of savoring something, of of consuming it, of devouring it, of being sexually satisfied by it, right? There's this, I, I think it's a a double edge, right? Yeah. You know, I hear those words, and I and I instantly think of Eve and the apple. And I yeah. know uh, you sent me some things that really sort of attributes a lot of the way we think about that story actually to Milton. Mm-hmm. So tell us more about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so most people don't know this, you know. But um, I mean, if you've read Milton, you probably get a sense of it, right? But uh, you know, he takes the whole entirety of this ten or twelve book like epic poem, right, where he's going to justify the ways of God to man, right. Mm-hmm out of three tiny little books in Genesis. And he just sort of, he sort of opens it up and fleshes it out and, and you know, sort of gives these, it tries to ascribe reasons, right, to why people, why these, well, what's happening here? What's the the color mm-hmm. of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, As all it? good poets would. Exactly, right? As all curious people, I think, right. would, right? I mean, if you're, he, that's what he was doing. He was curious about evil. Where does evil come from, right? Mm-hmm. He's trying to find an origin. But mm-hmm. it's interesting because, you know, when you look at the language, it, you know, it, he's trying to explain reasons, but as soon as you start to give reasons, as soon as you start to kind of ascribe reasons or identify reasons, they start to break down, right. you know? And so, you know, when he, when when Eve goes and, and eats the fruit, it's it's part of this whole sort of characterization of her. Um, yeah. when she when she's first when she's first awakened to consciousness, right? She talks about having unexperienced thought. Oh, right. Yeah, that's the way Milton puts it: unexperienced thought. And then she goes and she looks at herself. She sees a reflection of herself in right. a, a river, and uh, she's too interested in it. Mm-hmm. Right? She's mm-hmm. too curious about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And and this voice comes and says, "No, right? You know, don't don't do that." But that desire is there, right? Mm-hmm. It's so. Where did it come from, right? You know, when you, we try to ascribe origins to it, and it can't, comes back to this: well, she's a woman, right? right. Um, because clearly that's what all women do. They wake up and they look, right? It's, and they're it, always looking at themselves. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so so while Milton is sort of trying to ascribe these sorts of origins, right, to things, but but ultimately they come down to these very arbitrary, you know, rules that are mm-hmm. actually based in the, the stories that you're trying to explain. It's like, how does that work, right? Right, right. So, so yeah, she has this sort of, this unex- she starts with this unexperienced thought, you know, and as she encounters Adam and, and the serpent, right, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. speaks to her, you know, with sapient thought, right, sapient words, and, um, and flatters her and, uh, and, and uses reason, right, mm-hmm. on her, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she starts to think, you know, she, she starts, her thought becomes experienced, right? Um, she starts to think and she says, well, you know, why why can't we eat this this fruit? Like, why is this the one thing that we can't do? That doesn't make any sense, right? right? And look what it did for the serpent, right? He ate the fruit, which is, of course, a lie, mm-hmm. right? But, right. Uh, but he, he ate the fruit, and now he has wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. Now he speaks in human tongue. What's wrong with that? She falls into Satan's sort of... Um, you know, trap, right? And uh, and when he's, he says, where's the offense, right, that man should thus attain to know? Mm. And Adam's like, seek yeah. not temptation, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Right. So, so she wants to go out, uh-huh. right? And he's like, well, don't, 
Don't go out and seek. Careful, right? right? Yeah, be be careful, right? So she has that sort of exploratory desire, that exploratory Mm -hmm. impulse, Mm -hmm. right? And she's like, well, you know, why not? I'd like to know more. And so she tastes. And the way Milton puts it is so fascinating, right? He says, such delight till then as seemed in fruit she never tasted. Mm. And he goes on and he's just like, he's sort of opening up that sense of sort of physical pleasure, right? Right. Right. That she gets out of it. So it's all his fault. <laughs> or <Right>. something. <laughs> you know. By setting the, these arbitrary boundaries. Right. <laughs> he's he's drawn the picture for us. Yeah. He's fleshed it out yeah. in both literal and figurative right. ways. And we've sort of attached ourselves to that story, to mm-hmm. that image of it. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's it's fascinating. It's funny. And, you know, the first thing, so when, when she comes back and tells Adam about this fabulous stuff, you know, she actually thinks with herself. She's like, how should I put it to him, uh-huh. right? And she starts thinking, well, you know, um, inferior who is free, right? I, this is making me a little bit more equal with him, right? right. So her curiosity is part and parcel of her, of her sort of natural position as a woman, mm-hmm. submissive to Adam, mm-hmm. which she's contesting, right? She's contesting explicitly. <laughs> right, right. From the very start. Yeah, from from the very start. And her curiosity is bound up with that, right? Right. right. It's fascinating. There's all this language of, you know, greedily she engorged without restraint, uh-huh. right? Um, uh-huh. So it's tied, her curiosity is tied to this sort of physicality, right? And is that same sort of feminine physicality appetite, does that continue through literature in the way that we think about curiosity or the way that we think about women? I mean, mm-hmm. it's sounding to me as if the two become so right. entwined, so braided, mm-hmm. that we don't really think one without the other. Right. Yeah. I mean, I agree, you know. Um, I mean, there, there are examples of, of women in later literature, right, who do very similar things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, at, now, um, there are scholars, right, who talk about sort of the larger, um, you know, cultural shifts that are happening, you know, over time, the sort of the nature of curiosity changes a little bit, like women who, who are too curious become themselves objects of curiosity, and they mm-hmm. become sort of ostracized, mm-hmm. or, or um, you know, we need to study them, or, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it, so, so there are these larger changes, but but that connection, I think, mm-hmm. persists. Yeah, right? yeah, really interesting. So that's interesting, because there's the there's sort of the artist intent. Mm-hmm. And then there's our interpretation um, in real time, but then also um, time and distance, which may or may not be fair or accurate. Right. And then there's also this possibility of satire or of Mm -hmm. kind of turning the stories around on their head. And that's the danger, I guess, with looking back the way we do. We're not always entirely sure what was going on then, are we? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and what's... There's so many interesting things about this, right? <laughs> so, so you know, that's a sort of very masculine take on mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but there are women who, are women writers who are also, you know, taking these other very interesting sort of perspectives on curiosity and, and creating female characters who are, who are deeply curious, you know, mm-hmm. in a very sexual way, right? Mm-hmm. And go sort of investigating, inquiring, right, where they oughtn't, and and they get punished, right? But but. But the punishment isn't the interesting part, right? The, pun- the the interesting part is their experimentation, is their sort of going out and exploring right. and being curious, right? And right. so, 
And so we find, um, you know, women writers later, like I'm thinking particularly of Eliza Haywood, who's an 18th century writer, um, very popular writer, Mm -hmm. who herself kind of went beyond these boundaries, right? Um, And she takes up these characters, she creates almost all of her characters are like this, you know, these women who um, who get these curious notions in their minds and sort of start and try to act on them, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and of course it leads them into you know bad places, but but they have a lot of fun while uh-huh. they're going there, uh-huh. you know. Well, and the stories, presumably, I'm guessing, since we know of this woman, these stories were wildly popular. They were absolutely. So they're satisfying other people's yes. desires and curiosity yeah. as well, and that license. To hear these stories, to read mm-hmm. these stories, mm-hmm. says something about that time period as yeah. well. Interesting. Yeah. Right. And so they were very popular. These sorts of stories were very popular. Um, but but that and people loved them, right? People bought them, people talked about them, they were they were very visible, right? Um, but that itself was problematic, right? right? Because this these representations have to be policed, right? And um, and and who owns the public sphere of printing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Who who has the authority to work within that, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so you get um, people like Alexander Pope, who sort of critiques Haywood, right, in a very kind of for, you know formulaic way. He, I mean, I'm, and I mention him because he's sort of paradigmatic, right? But mm-hmm. uh, you know, he was trying to establish his role in this marketplace of print, right? And what better way to do it than to critique the people who he saw as his, his rivals, right? Right, right. And um, so he presents this woman writer, right, Eliza Haywood, with her you know, two babes of love close clinging to her waist, right? <laughs> these, um, these, which are books, right, mm-hmm. like bad books, and according mm-hmm. to him, but also illegitimate children, right. right, which she's sort of created through her salacious Sexualizing desire, right? the whole thing again. Exactly, yeah. right? And and yeah. puts her up as this, um, in his, this is in his, his epic poem, sort of mock epic poem, Dunciad, right, where he sort of puts her up as a, as a prize, right, um, in a pissing contest between uh-huh. two booksellers, right? Because, you know, she was their moneymaker, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he does this whole thing to kind of, he, he to sort of, you know, undermine her authority in the public sphere, using her popularity and her curiosity, this sort of, this sort of, ex, sort of, illegitimate sort of going where she shouldn't go, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to mm-hmm. sort of beat her back down, right? right. Um so this this satire always has that sort of double edge, right? It always has that, you know, you, you have to sort of, you have to get it in order to get it, right? And it can mean multiple things. Right, right. Well, and it also, you know, the people who are making the money on this stuff presumably were actually men. So there's, you know, there's, I like to say sometimes these things are not what they purport to be about, you right. know? So maybe it was about curiosity, but maybe it was about... Yes, you know money and just you know fame and right. power. She had too and... much fame, right? She right. she she was she was discommoding my fame, right? Mm-hmm. The way I want my fame, to, right? So mm-hmm. so and because she's a woman, right, right? It becomes very easy to to do so to set her up as you know, right? And we get it all throughout history. You know, I brought in another um, just fun image to yeah. To so take describe a look at, this image. Right? So so this is from the later part of the 18th century, and it's it's entitled "Female Curiosity," and it's by. Um, James Gilray, who's a satirist, mm-hmm. a famous satirist, um, and and illustrator, right? And so it's this picture of of um, a fashionable young woman in her bedroom. Um, there's a there's a four post bed um, in the corner. There's an older woman who seems maybe is her maybe your mother probably not maybe more of like a waiting maid we don't really uh, know a servant of some sort right. maybe who's holding up a mirror and there there are a few other things sort of accoutrements of of fashionable life right mm-hmm. she's got this huge wig 
which is supposed to be worn on her head, but of course it was also just ex- extravagant, right? Anyway, and so it's Gilray paints it as this like enormous uh-huh. thing, these right? Like these Marie Antoinette enormous wigs, yeah, yeah. right. She's, yeah. They're going too far. This this consumption of of these luxury goods. So she she's got this this enormous wig with a feather on top and some jewels in it, and she's got it setting sitting sort of on her rump, right? <laughs> so her so her her dress is sort of pulled up um, and sort of looking back, trying to sort of see what it looks like. And um, and the woman, the the sort of older waiting maid, has a mirror there and is sort of reflecting it to her. And so we see what's in the mirror. And it's and it's her her sort of buttocks um, there, as if it's her face, right? Uh-huh. And uh, and the whole thing is called is titled "Female Curiosity," right? And so we get this really interesting network of of concerns about consumption, right? The enormous mm-hmm. wig, this luxury good that is mm-hmm. ridiculous, according to, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and this sort of image of vanity, right? And then right. the way that the satirical element sort of sort of works to 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 criticize, you know, her and the older woman for sort of buying into this, buying into you know, it, and, supporting it, yeah, right? Yeah. And um, and this is what you'll become anyway, right? Doesn't matter, sort of sort of memento mori sort of thing, and makes it very ridiculous. This woman's curiosity is no longer desired to transgress and say the way Eve might transgress, mm-hmm. right? But it becomes sort of tamed, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, right. So that's an interesting passage from dangerous to trivial. Right, yeah. And then eventually now to this almost a heroic, mm-hmm. you know, perception of curiosity. Right. Of- and so historically speaking, there there's there's a way in which any kind of excessive gaze is feminized, right? Mm. So male scientists who weren't who were just sort of indiscriminately collecting or looking at weird things or obsessed with you know peering into places they shouldn't right they weren't necessarily poo-pooed as being too curious they were they were they were um, characterized as being feminine mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the way that they became sort of that their that their authority sort of became undermined right um, it was a frequent subject of of ridicule, right? Right. <laughs> right. It is no. That's absolutely right. As I think about yeah. it, that absolutely had this sort of a you know it was kind of a sissy mm-hmm. thing or something. That's interesting. I hadn't right. I hadn't sort of strung all of those thoughts. Right. Yeah. Right. Not 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 manly. Right? <laughs> Salacious. Well, it's interesting. You know, Nabokov has the line about um, curiosity's insubordination in mm, its highest yeah. form and. All of these are sort of mm-hmm. insubordinate they in various are, yeah. kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. So it's just an interesting thing. You know, here I am sitting here as a woman encouraging mm-hmm. people to choose to be curious. And insubordinate. Thinking, I know. <laughs> I know. And then the question is sort of where does it go from here? Right, right. Where does it go from here? Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I have no idea where it's going to go, but but it'll be fun. Well, I think that's a great place to bring it I mean I bring it to a close I don't even want to bring it to a close I'm like we need we need to continue this conversation this is is there's a lot more stuff we can talk about yeah yeah but before you go I warned you right I have a big jar of wannabe analogies okay reach in right take a slip and I'll take one for myself and one for our audience okay and we're going to make an analogy to curiosity with whatever is here I hope it's something really salacious. <laughs> uh, she's laughing already. I wish it were salacious, but it's so totally innocent, right? Um, Do you want to go? Um, you go first. Okay. All right. So let me see what mine is. Um, mine is elephant. Ooh. <laughs> All right. I have to kind of shift gears okay. here. Um, how is curiosity like an elephant? Um, 
I think curiosity is like an elephant because it doesn't forget. Mm. And um, uh, and I'm going to just leave it there because I think curiosity is about not forgetting all the little things right. and kind of packing them along and taking them with you. The unexpected sort of connections. Right, right, yeah. exactly. So what do you have? Yeah. Um, popcorn. 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 Oh. Right? How is curiosity like popcorn? Um I think there are lots of ways, right? It's like popcorn, but you know, it starts out. Popcorn starts out as this this hard little nugget, you know, mm-hmm. that's that's sort of unremarkable, and you put some heat on it and some oil, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it just sort of explodes, right? Yeah, right. yeah. Um, so, so I guess curiosity. Popcorn is like curiosity. Curiosity is like popcorn because, you know, they both explode in your mouth and become delicious. Ah, yeah. nice. I like it. <laughs> oh, see, I love these. Okay. And audience, um, yours is do. How is curiosity like the do? So let us know. Um, how is curiosity like morning do? Hashtag analogy. Well, Tanya, thank you. Thank you so, so much. much. This and has been a lot of fun. It has been a lot of fun. And you've given me all sorts of wonderful things to put up <laughs> on Facebook. This is great. Okay. Maybe okay. a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let me close this out. You're listening to WERA 96.7 FM. If you joined us late or want to catch up on this or other programs here at Radio Arlington, check us out online, on demand at WERA.FM. Be sure to take a look at the Facebook page, Choose to be Curious. Um, Follow me on Twitter at Choose Number Two Letter B Curious. Don't forget to send us your do analogy, hashtag analogy. Special thanks to my guest, Tanya Howe, for being my July wild card. (laughs) To Jackie Stevens for putting Tanya in the deck. And I hope you'll join me next time when Marjorie Varner, Executive Director of Encore Learning, joins me to talk about curiosity as we mature. Until then, choose to be curious.